Entrepreneur on Fire, 483. In need of some motivation? We've got you covered seven days a week. Join John Lee Dumas and today's Entrepreneur on Fire. Did you know there's a fast and easy way for small businesses to make mobile apps? Visit businessapps.com. That's B-I-Z-N-E-S-S apps.com to start building apps for free. Working with an individual graphic designer has its limitations. Timing is one. Want dozens of designs to choose from in just seven days? Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services for free. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Steve Olsher. Steve, are you prepared to ignite? I am absolutely prepared. (laughs) Yes. Steve is an international keynote speaker, New York Times bestselling author of What Is Your What? Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do, co-founder and chairman of Liquor.com, and so much more, but you're going to have to wait. Giving our listeners just a little overview, Steve, so take a minute. Tell us about you personally, because we want to get to know you, then give us an overview of your business. I guess we should probably take it back to high school to get started here, man, because in, in high school, I had a, a 4.0 GPA. And, and, you know, when you look back on that, it was pretty impressive, right? Except for me, GPA had nothing to do with grade point average. GPA for me was all about girls per attempt. So <laughs> basically, for every 10 girls I asked out, I averaged about four dates. And, uh, you know, man, it was, uh, it was an interesting trek. I'm, uh, I'm just a lifelong entrepreneur, wired <laughs> as an entrepreneur, got involved with DJing in nightclubs very early. I actually opened my own nightclub when I was 20 years of age. How do you do that? Well, it was actually a non-alcoholic nightclub and uh, went on to catalogs and dot-coms and real estate. And I mean, hell, I've, I've pumped gas. I've waited tables. I've even sold speakers out of the back of a van. You know, I mean, you've probably been approached by those guys and that was me. <laughs> Hey, dude, I've got a great speaker. Come check it out. It's in my van. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That was me. (laughs) Uh, Steve, you are the true entrepreneur. We've known each other for a couple years now, and you followed Entrepreneur on Fire's progress. I followed your progress. You're always trying new things. You're always being innovative. You're always being creative. And to me, that's the essence of an entrepreneur. And that's why I'm excited to share your journey today with Fire Nation. But before we do, we always start with a success quote to really get that motivational ball rolling, to get that fire ignited, Steve. So take it away. The quote I like most is when looking back on your life, you'll most regret failing to act, then taking action and realizing what those weak-minded people term as failure. So share with us a time that you actually put that into you, Steve, when you did not have that regret to act. It's interesting. I am one of those folks that is just a little bit too impulsive for my own good. <laughs> and so I, uh, I am just not one of those folks who has ever really held back on an idea. As a matter of fact, I've been way too early with most of my ideas. I launched online in 1993 on CompuServe's electronic mall. So, you know, I saw the internet way early and actually took a company to the point of uh, having the S1 filed and we were ready to go public with the dot-com uh, in 1999. And of course, by the time we hit the street, it was March of 2000. 
And that's when everything imploded. So I just, I can't sit here and say that I've never brought to fruition something that I really felt like it needed to be done. So it's just, it's always been a mantra that, uh, that I've tried to live by. Well, Steve, I really do want to turn the spotlight to your journey now because, as you know, that's what Entrepreneur on Fire is all about. We're really focused on bridging that chasm between the listener and the successful entrepreneur and showing where they started and where they failed and those lessons learned. So start there. Share with us a story of a time that you did fail and the lessons you learned from that. I have to admit that I failed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so... It's uh, it's one of those things where I just, for whatever reason, man, I, I just can't seem to not fail. And it's funny to say that, but, you know, it's just everything that I've done, it works out really, really well. And then it eventually comes to an end. I guess I'm just not one of those folks who can build like a sustainable entity that lasts for like generations and generations. I mean, like the nightclub, you know, we did really well for the first two and a half years or so. And then I had a fallen out with my business manager and uh, my partner and walked away. You know, real estate had a really good run with real estate. And then, you know, this implosion hit. And so lost some properties and made some good money along the way and lost some other properties. You know, man, it was just like, it's just funny how there hasn't been a, you know, a single thing that I've taken on that hasn't failed in one way or the other. And I think that's just sort of the, the process of life as an entrepreneur. Absolutely, Steve. And here at Entrepreneur on Fire, we like to drill down into one story and really be alliterative with it. Like really take us down to the ground level, explain to us that story building up to your failure, then your failure, and then your lessons learned. I got you. So, you know, one of the primary examples that I like to talk about is what happened with Liquor by Wire, which was a company that I started in 1991 as a catalog company. We were basically like FTD was for flowers, where if you were in New York, you want to send a bottle of wine or champagne or spirits or whatever to somebody in California, we would take care of that through one of our local retailers. And so we had built up a pretty decent business, had relationships with all the brands. In 1998, I grabbed the .com, liquor.com. And want to guess how much I paid for liquor.com back in 1998, John? I know it'd be hundreds of millions of dollars now. <laughs> so I paid $7,500 for the domain wow. in 1998. And, you know, everything was going really well. And we were doing about $3 million in sales. And this was about the time where ideas on napkins were getting venture funding. And here we are with a, a great domain, with a, with a company that's really doing, I mean, actual sales. And so we just need money to get the word out about what we're doing. And so literally blinded by the dot-com light, we said, you know, let's take this thing public. And so we brought in, uh, you know, the venture people and the venture people said, hey, you know, you're too young. You don't have enough gray hair. So we're going to have to bring in some folks who can really, you know, well, take this to the next level because, you know, we just don't think you can. And so we brought in the CEO and the CFO and all these lettered people that were absolutely useless. And, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day here, when everything imploded in terms of, you know, the dot-com bubble, and we had literally signed away our management rights because we wanted to be taken to the promised land, we were just uh, basically out of, uh, of luck there because literally nine years of work had just kind of fallen down the, the drain, and I walked away from everything because I couldn't work for those guys, which is ostensibly the position I was in, and it was clear that they weren't going to take it anywhere. After I left, literally six months later, the company got buried. Now, 
it's just one of those things where I guess the the key lesson learned is, you know, no one can run your business better than you can. And I guess that's the blessing and the curse of an entrepreneur, but it's the reality that, you know, no, no one's going to have the fire, no one's going to have the passion, no one's going to have the understanding as much as you do about the business that you've created. So, I mean, that's, that's certainly the main lesson learned from that process. And fortunate enough, I was able to reclaim the domain in 2006 from a guy who was squatting out in the country of Panama. That's a whole other long story. But, uh, but frankly, this iteration that we now have up, which is all about mixology and cocktail culture, is, uh, is doing quite well. Well, see, that's a fascinating story for so many reasons, and it's a great life lesson for all of Fire Nation to hear that it's all about the individual, the owner that has the passion, that can take it the distance, because this is a marathon, it's not a sprint, and if we focus on that truly, that's where the power lies, and you talk about how you went from failure to failure to failure, and I think it's really valuable for Fire Nation to learn to embrace failure, Steve, and not be scared of it and not shy away from it because that's how we improve. Because honestly, would you still want to be running a non-alcoholic nightclub or do you think that you've probably gone past that in your life and you've gone on to bigger and better things? So sometimes failure is for the best and if we can embrace it, that's powerful for a number of reasons. And Steve, I want to take things to the other end of the spectrum right now. I want to go to your aha moment. When you had this light bulb that went off at some point in your journey and you said, yes, this is me, this is Steve, share with us that moment and the steps that you took to turn it into a success. I had really just always been focused sort of on creating and chasing those commodity-oriented opportunities. And I got to tell you, man, I mean, from a monetary standpoint, there was absolutely some, you know, some windfall from it. And I did, you know, pretty good on the entrepreneurial front. But but from really a a, a sort of a soul driven front in terms of doing something that I was truly compelled to do, that's what was absolutely lacking. And, And interestingly enough, about five years ago, I had my aha moment or my wake up call or my come to Jesus moment, whatever you want to call it where I was with my stepfather, who was very much a father to me, raised me since I was 10. I was with him at his bedside, literally in his final days of life. And I was holding his hand, and he couldn't communicate verbally any longer. But I believe that we were able to connect to that point of physical touch, because I had a vision of my funeral, not of his funeral, but actually of mine, where I could hear the words being spoken graveside, which were, here lies Steve Olsher. He dedicated his life to chasing the almighty dollar. And that's all that was said. And it hit me really hard because I believe that my stepfather was really showing me my inevitable fate unless I changed course. And he always knew that I had wanted to have impact not only on those who shared this lifetime with me, but also on those of lifetimes to come. And I really wasn't honoring that call. and so. In that moment, I really began to see that there's something more for me, that I really need to tap into my inherent blueprint and figure out what my gifts truly are so that I can begin to share those gifts in a meaningful way. And so how I've turned that into success is as I started putting pen to paper, and that was really the first step to to begin sharing some of the strategies and tools and shortcuts that had worked well for me in my life, you know, I really thought I could help others. And so by putting pen to paper and starting to to really figure out that I have an intuitive gift for 
helping people become clear on what it is that they are compelled to do, it just really all began to come together. And so as I began teaching my process, it made my writing better and my writing made my my teaching better. And so, you know, by the end of, of this sort of two or three year stint of really trying to feel my way around it, I had created a really solid framework for helping people discover, share, and monetize what it is they're truly compelled to do. So Steve, finding that one thing that we're truly compelled to do is so imperative for entrepreneurs because we keep coming back to this theme. And I think it's so important that what we're doing with our lives is a marathon. It's not this sprint, this little sprint that you see so many people chase after that quick dollar always ends the same way in abject failure. But those that really put their nose to the grindstone, follow their passion and go for that marathon are the ones that rise to the top. And that's what your book is all about. And that's what your message nowadays is all about. And that's why I find it so powerful and so meaningful to Fire Nation. And if you could just share one clear lesson that you've learned from this revelation you had in your life, what would that be? There's a big difference between having, shall we say, a passion for something and really understanding if it is, in fact, your what, if you're going to use my terminology. And so, you know, you could be passionate about gardening, right? But it doesn't necessarily mean that you can turn that or want to even turn that into how you impact the world and the living that you make, right? Because for me, if you look at the equation, it, it's really all about doing something that you love, something that you're good at, and something that people will pay you for. And it's the combination of those three elements that truly give people the opportunity to create a life that is filled with uh, fulfillment and, and, and a sense of contribution that, frankly, these commodity-oriented opportunities that so many of us chase just don't bring. So, Steve, I think this is an incredibly valuable point that you're making. So I want to dive deeper into it. I really want to drill down into it. A lot of Fire Nation sitting back here and they're saying, okay, I'm passionate about gardening, but now Steve's telling me that that might not be the right passion for me to pursue for a number of reasons. And I completely agree with that because I'm always talking about where the passion meets the viable business opportunity and where you can drive forward from there. Can you share with us a little more in detail about how you flesh out these opportunities that people can hone in on and crush? Yeah, absolutely. And so my process, and this is what makes my framework very different from anything else that I've ever seen, because again, it is truly practical. It yeah. is something that people can use to implement immediately. And so there's three parts of the equation. And if you look at, again, taking into consideration something you love to do, something you're good at, and something people will pay you for, that's kind of the first set of criteria, right? Because if you chop out any one leg, then it's like a tripod, right? The whole thing topples. And so it's the same thing with your what. And the three components of your what involve really understanding, number one, how you're naturally wired to excel, what those gifts are. And then once you understand what those gifts are, you have to then know the vehicle that you will use to share those gifts with the world. And then perhaps equally important, you then have to be clear on the people that you're most compelled to serve. And once you have those elements in place. That's when I truly believe that the magic happens. So let's actually bring out a real life example. Share with us an example of somebody that might be listening that has a passion. How would you walk them through how they could flesh it out real time and pursue it or not? 
So there's, there's a number of different conversations around that question, but the story that I'm going to share with you is a woman by the name of Carol Miller who uh, came to a course that I teach, which is called the Reinvention Workshop. And so in the Reinvention Workshop, obviously what I do is I help people become very clear on what their what is and then teach them how to share it and monetize it. But the first step is you got to know what your what is. And so when she came to the workshop, she was like, she felt like things were pretty good, but she always just kind of had this nagging, kind of tugging at her collar type feeling that just something in the equation was missing and she couldn't put her finger on it. And so as we worked together, it became very clear that her gifts are teaching and healing. Natural teacher, natural healer. And the vehicle that she was using to share those gifts with the world was really on point for her because for 30-something years, she had been a nurse. So nursing was the vehicle that she was using to share her gifts of teaching and healing with the world. But where she was off was in being able to clearly identify the people that she was most compelled to serve. When she came to the workshop, she was working in a general hospital. After we got through the part of the process that helps you identify the people that you're most compelled to serve, it became very clear that those people for her are the disadvantaged elderly. Hmm. And so once she was able to plug that into the equation, fast forward three or four years now, and she's now working in a VA hospital working with the disadvantaged elderly, and that has made all the difference. So that's an example of somebody finding what is their what. So powerful stuff, Steve. And what I want to do now is have you share with Fire Nation your proudest entrepreneurial moment. I grew up in in a household, John, where I just, I I never could do everything quite right. (laughs) And so, yeah, I mean, it was- Sounds familiar. uh, Yeah, you know, man. And so- no matter how good I thought I was doing at something, there was always a way in which I could do better, right? And so I got to tell you, it's like the my book, What Is Your What? Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do, hit the New York Times bestseller list. And, you know, for most people, they would stop, they would celebrate, they would, you know, just, wow, just cherish in that moment. And for me, it's like, okay, I got it. What's next? And it's like probably kind of how you felt where you were like, all right, I'm going to do this podcast and I'm going to get some really cool people on. And then you were like, wow, I got Tim Ferriss and wow, I got Gary Vaynerchuk. And well, hold on now, who's going to be next? And it's like, you know, just in and of itself. Give me Mark Cuban. (laughs) Right. You know, like landing those two guys, you'd be like, wow, you know, I mean, that's so cool. Right. But then it's like, you're just kind of always striving for more. And I think in, in the entrepreneurial mindset, especially when you come from a, a crazy house like I did, which I don't need to go into too much detail on. But, (laughs) you know, when you kind of come from that mindset of you're always trying to move to that next step, it's almost really, really hard for people like me to stop and celebrate that moment of success. Steve, so well said. And I can resonate with that on an incredible level. And I know a lot of people in Fire Nation can as well. And what I want to do is bring things to present time. I want to talk about today, Steve, because you have a lot of exciting things going on. Share with Fire Nation one or two things that have you fired up today. Yeah, absolutely, man. And so, you know, part of what I want to have happen in my legacy is I want to not just impact those who share this lifetime with me, but also those of lifetimes to come. And so I know that I can't 
truly do that if I'm trying to, to do this all by myself. So one of the things that's got me really excited is I've created this framework around discovering, sharing, and monetizing what it is that you're truly compelled to do, and it works. I mean, I've helped thousands of people get to the answers that they need, but I want to help tens of millions of people get to those answers, and the only way that I can do that is to teach others and certify others to be able to incorporate my process into their practice, and so that's one of the things that's really on the agenda for 2014 is to begin certifying people to teach what it is that I'm doing and what I've created, and perhaps they incorporate it into their practice, or perhaps they actually start their own reinvention workshops where it's more like a business in a box. Uh, but ultimately, you know, if I can teach hopefully thousands of people before I die how to leverage this framework with those that they care about, those that they're working with, those that they love, then eventually we'll be able to reach the masses in ways that I couldn't do on my own. Love that mission. Love that drive, Steve. And we're going to dive into the lightning round as soon as we thank our partners. When you have an important project on the horizon, but it seems like you have plenty of time between now and then, it's easy to put things off. You think, oh, that can wait till tomorrow. But then tomorrow comes and you end up saying the same exact thing until you're out of time. Design projects are one of those things. As a person requesting the design, you might not realize everything that goes into creating a beautiful logo that not only looks gorgeous, but that is a true representation of your brand. Explaining what you need to a designer takes time, and by putting that off, you're only delaying the inevitable. If you go to a designer and tell them you need something by the end of the day or tomorrow, they're likely going to tell you that you're crazy. At 99designs, it's easy and affordable to get a design you love within a week. Just fill out the online brief, get dozens of designs, and pick your favorite. Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services free. Everyone has gone mobile. Just take a look around you. Mobile devices are the one thing people are likely to have on their person at all times. Well, except for in the shower, of course. Plus, it's the first thing we look at when we wake up in the morning and the last thing we see before we go to sleep. Because of this, thousands of businesses are looking to create their own mobile app. Not only does having a mobile app make it easier on their customers, it also provides yet another place for their business to get noticed. What does this mean for you? Well, if you're in the business of helping others get a mobile app up and running, then exciting things can happen. I know we're not all programmers and designers. That's where business apps comes into play. Business apps gives you a fast and easy way to create mobile apps for your customers. Visit businessapps.com. That's B-I-Z-N-E-S-S apps.com to create your free account today. So Steve, we've now reached my favorite part of the show. We're about to enter the lightning round. And this is where I get to ask you a series of questions. And you come back at us Fire Nation style with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Oh, man. You know, it's one of those things where it's just like I've never, I hate to say it, but I've never really been held back because I do believe that we're all wired to excel in very specific ways. And I just, man, I was sort of in that double-edged sword standpoint where I was too smart to work for anybody else, but too dumb to really, you know, build this $100 million business. So (laughs) I've kind of stuck in no man's land as an entrepreneur who's, you know, really just still scraping by. (laughs) 
What is the best advice you've ever received? Oh, man, I love this because it's one of those quotes that just has stuck with me forever. And you have conversations with people, you know, throughout your life and millions of things are said to you, but only certain things stick and really resonate. When I was thinking about opening the nightclub, I asked a a mentor of mine, you know, hey, what do you think? You know, is this something I should do? And he said, well, remind me what you're doing. I said, well, I'm, I'm waiting tables. I'm DJing. I'm pumping gas. And he said, look, man, if things don't work out with the club, you can always go back to pumping gas. And it was just one of those lines that really stuck with me because I think that we all seem to have this this perceived safety net that frankly doesn't exist. Steve, you nailed it. That perceived safety net stops so many entrepreneurs from even starting because they're envisioning this Armageddon if they fail. And the reality is they can always go back to doing what they're doing right now. Yep. Steve, can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? For me, it's just all about perseverance. It's just, it's really all about trusting your gut, trusting your insight and your instincts and just never really giving up on what it is that you you think needs to be brought to fruition. So for me, it's really all about perseverance, which, you know, sometimes works to my benefit and other times it works to my detriment. (laughs) Do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with you can share with our listeners? You know, it's interesting. And I was looking through a lot of the the resources on your site because I didn't want to sit here and just say, you know, hey, you know, Evernote, right? Which is (laughs) something that you you say there. But, you know, I I didn't see a whole lot of this one. There's two of them that I like. One is called Reportive, which is R-A-P-P-O-R-T-I-V-E, which sits on the side of your Gmail account if you got Gmail and other email accounts. But basically, it gives you pictures and details of the people that you're interacting with. Really like Reportive. Um, Another one is Asana, A-S-A-N-A which is a collaboration tool that uh, you know, people work uh, with. Uh, and so no matter where you are, you can collaborate without emails. So pretty cool. They're both cool. And reporters specifically, it gives you just that quick snapshot of who you're conversing with. And you know, it takes those just black and white words on an email and makes it a real person, which can make a huge difference. And Fire Nation, you can find the links to these resources and everything that we're talking about here today at eofire.com slash steve Olsher. Steve, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what book would that be? You know, it's so interesting. I, and again, I did some research on this and I wanted to see some of the other books that really stuck out for your guests. And you've done like, you know, so many shows now. Right. I cannot believe that this book was not mentioned by anyone. And Inc. Magazine put this as number two on their top 10 business books of all time, which is Guerrilla Marketing by J. Conrad Levinson. First time. And I had the privilege of having Jay share the stage with me at Internet Profits Live, which is P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S for anyone who's out there listening, Internet Profits Live. Um, (laughs) And Jay was just an amazing man. Unfortunately, he passed uh, last year, but it was just such an honor and a privilege to get to know him personally. Well, I am so glad you brought that up because you are right. Of the 484 interviews we've done, this is the first time guerrilla marketing has been mentioned. So Fire Nation... I know you love audio, so if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audiobook like this one for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Steve, this next question is the last of the lightning round, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? 
Yeah, man, great question. So the first thing I would do is I'd find three places to speak pro bono and just start getting myself out there in front of people, meet people, network, et cetera. Second thing I would do is I would identify and connect with the most influential people in the space that I was looking to pursue. And in this case, it would be personal development, self-help, that sort of thing. The third step is I would put 150 bucks in the bank and then find the nearest casino and put the rest on 23 red. (laughs) Steve, what I love about this interview is that it's so obvious that you did a little preparation here and it's made a world of difference and it makes a world of difference for every one of my guests that takes even just five minutes to go through and understand the interview flow and understand the format of Entrepreneur on Fire and crush every question with nothing but value. And you, my friend have done that. So let's end by you giving Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. So one parting piece of guidance is, I just it doesn't matter if it's through my resources or through Dan Miller's or Janet Atwood's or what colors your parachute or whatever it might be, you know, just figure out what your what is, or, you know, there's other terminology that's used out there. Because the reality is, and one of my coaching clients, Andrew Robinson, said this best, the reality is, is that you are the solution to someone else's problem. And so when you don't figure out how you're naturally wired to excel and share those gifts with strategic abandon, it really is like the butterfly effect. And so you're not only impacting your own life, of course, but you are, in fact, impacting the tens of millions of lives that would have been affected had you honored those gifts and shared those gifts in the way that only you could. And so that's what I encourage people to do. Again, if it's through What Is Your What, which you can grab for free at whatisyourwhat.com forward slash free, if it's through the Myers-Briggs or whatever it might be, Just understand that you have a unique gift to share and the world is absolutely waiting for you. Steve, Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to all this greatness that you're sharing here at eofire.com. Just click on the podcast tab because this interview is hanging out in the archives or just enter Steve in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. And Steve, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for having me, John. Fire Nation, have you attended one of our live webinars on Podcasters Paradise yet? Not only do I cover some of the best podcasting techniques, we also dive right into Paradise, so you could have a sneak peek behind the scenes and look at our vibrant community, filled with over 350 podcasters. Oh, and did I mention that we give away a free lifetime membership during every webinar? Sign up for our next live webinar at podcastersparadise.com. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 